Hi, and welcome to Foresight, the CPA podcast, a podcast produced by CPA Canada that explores the future of the accounting profession. I'm your host, David McGuffin. In each episode, we'll reimagine what CPAs do, how they do it, and the impact they have around the world. This podcast is part of the Foresight Initiative from CPA Canada, aimed at setting a new strategic direction for the Canadian accounting profession. So, let's get started. The environmental challenges facing our world have given rise to new ways of thinking, new ways of considering how we do business. The idea of sustainability has become central to these new ways of thinking, but what does sustainability actually mean in this context? And how does the concept of sustainability relate to the practice of accounting? Davinder Valeri is the Director of Strategy, Risk and Performance with CPA Canada. Sustainability is, is not just climate change. It's, it's much, much broader. And, uh, you know, it's defined as um, the meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. And, and I always look at it from that nested um, uh, dependencies model, which is you've got the environment, which takes the biggest chunk, and then you've got the society and then economy kind of fits in the middle of it. And when you look at that, it reminds us that we, we must live within our means um, and that or we'll face some real uh, challenges or consequences, and those could be ecological consequences, you know, societal collapse or even economic collapse, as we're kind of seeing with the pandemic. Um, so CPA Canada, you know, we've been playing in this space of sustainability for over over two decades. Um, we were in that space when people were challenging us and saying, why are accountants in sustainability? You know, usually you think about back then tree huggers and whatnot, but but it's not about that. It's, it's actually more about how we need to be able to sustain an environment that can be forthcoming for future generations, right? And it's about how CPAs can play a role in that. And, and it's really about uh, creating the ecosystem where finance, really at the center of something that is pivotal or important, can start to change business decisions by saying, hey, you need to consider the environment and you need to consider the impact on our employees or the staff or our society. CPAs are playing a pivotal role as finance leaders. It's about figuring out the risks and opportunities that are coming with these disruptors. We're helping carve out the understanding that our members need because there's so much confusion out there right now, whether you say ESG, whether you say, you know, technology, governance, data, sustainability. There's a lot of disruption, a lot of confusion, and we're really offering tools and methodologies and knowledge for our members to be able to understand that and apply that and be part of it. 2020 has been that year, the unprecedented economic and social disruption, right? Like to its nth degree. But as part of that disruption, there's been this movement, this transformative movement for ESG as well. We've seen this movement globally. We've seen it nationally. Uh, we've seen it in investment decision-making, in, in corporate disclosure, in government policies. Uh, there's been a lot happening in 2020. And I can say to you, the trajectory of the movement in 2020 is indicating that 2021 is not going to slow down any further. So it actually is moving really, really fast. So what does this mean and what have we seen, right? So globally, I mean, you probably saw Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, he, he put out his, his letter basically to the CEOs stating that climate risk is investment risk. I mean, he put that out there. He underscored that E factors are really important. But 2020 has also showed us that the S factor is 
extremely important, and that's the social piece, right? So environment and, and social. So what we're seeing is that that governments and, and policymakers are starting to embrace this and, and recognizing that we need to change. And we, we saw governments like New Zealand, they're the, f- the first of the gate or the first country in, in the world where they actually have made it mandate to have climate risk disclosure in their financial statement. So this is TCFD. So they're saying that disclosure has to be mandated. And then we've seen that uh, UK is following suit. Uh, you're seeing Australia uh, come forward. Now even China has just recently announced their carbon neutrality. You're seeing that movement. And, and the other thing I'll say is that from an accounting lens, we've seen the movement as well because there's ask for consistency. I talked about confusion. There's so much out there, so many different frameworks, so many different ways of doing things, but there's also this ask for consistency. So the IFRS Foundation, which is the International Financial Reporting Standards uh, Foundation, they put out a consultation paper asking for, is there demand for a global sustainability standards board? If nothing else, that in itself is extremely pivotal, meaning that someone saying we need a standards board, a global international standards board that will help offer some consistency in standards in terms of reporting. Then we look at our own government in Canada, right? And they've been extremely progressive. Um, our government announced their Net Zero Emissions Accountability Act, which really lays out the foundation for Canada's commitment to net zero emissions by 2050. And, and when COVID had hit and the government was introducing all of the different incentives, they actually put out the LEAF program, which is the large employer emergency financing facility. And in there, which is you know for those companies that are impacted by COVID-19, in there, they put a requirement, right, in there saying that you those recipients of this facility must disclose in their annual reporting climate-related financial disclosure. So that was a huge kudos for Canada that the government actually asked organizations to disclose their climate-related issues, climate-related impacts. And then you get into that, the investor side. I talked about the global investors, but Canadian investors are signaling their renewed focus on ESG. So capital markets actually uh, are significantly integrating ESG into their, into their, their assets management. Uh, I would say over the last two years, we have about like 48% increase in the in the responsible investments under management. I think Canada has maybe um, 3.2 trillion uh, investment. That's huge. What that indicates is that there's a significant number of Canadian ESG funds that are outperforming the non-ESG counterparts. Again, that's really signaling a, a direction that ESG is going, a direction that the whole market is going. So I would say overall, in 2020, we've seen unprecedented disruptions in the way we work, the way we live, the way we actually function. And so that has actually accelerated the ESG momentum to the point that it's not slowing down. The consumers are starting to ask for those changes. So 2021, I would say, get ready for the ride because it's continuing. Devinder Valeri, Director of Strategy, Risk and Performance with CPA Canada, talking about what sustainability means in the business world. So what role do CPAs have to play as we create this new sustainable future? To delve further into this topic, I'm joined by Anne-Marie Hubert, Canada East Leader for EY. Anne-Marie has a strong history in sustainability initiatives, and she's considered one of the key players in highlighting this topic within the broader business community. Anne-Marie, from your vantage point, how is the investment community responding to the idea of sustainability? From my perspective, David, investors are leading the change. We are in a world where investors with $150 trillion of assets under management are asking for a TCFD disclosure. 
Task Force on Climate Financial Disclosure. That's about 50% of investors on the planet who are interested in understanding what corporations they invest in are doing about climate. Those standards did not exist five years ago. Those standards were developed in about 18 months, so they've been in existence for over three years, and half of the investors on the planet are expecting companies to invest in to do more for the planet. That's one element. You would have seen uh, the Maple Eight, the largest pension fund in Canada, the CEOs. They really issued a statement in November saying, okay, we take it seriously, both the climate and the inequalities and diversity. We would expect corporations and employers to do more on those two topics. So they're truly leading the change with their stewardship engagement with the asset managers that work for them or with the when they do the asset management themselves with the companies they invest in, they're really expecting corporate Canada to step up. And then when you look at uh, what's going on in the U.S. with the recent election, with the Biden administration, commitment to net zero, Canada commitment to net zero, that will just, the regulators and the um, political side will accelerate the change one would expect for COP26. Can you give us some examples of sustainable financial products? I've heard people talking about green bonds, for instance. Yeah, there's discussions around green bonds, sustainable bonds. So it's really a financial instruments where you get a bond on the basis that you're committing to do better from an environment perspective for a green bond or for society for a sustainable bond. So you would commit, for example, in the um, medication, in the field of medication, one large pharmaceutical company committed to have some key medicine available to a greater proportion of people in underdeveloped economy. So I'm still going to service the needs of the broader population, but I've got to make sure some people who typically would not have my medication will get it. And they've committed to do so while reducing their carbon footprint and doing better from an inclusivity perspective, diversity inclusivity perspective. They set very specific targets. They have a benchmark where they're at and what progress they're going to make. If they achieve the target, they keep the lower interest rate. If they miss the target, interest goes back up. So there is a financial incentive to achieve the right societal outcome. And it also, at the same time, uh, creates a very good brand effect because people realize you're doing good for society and you're doing it in a way that, that, that will preserve the planet. The business conversation around the world is focused on recovering and rebuilding from the effects of the pandemic. In terms of COVID-19, some government support programs have been tied to sustainability. How would you say the pandemic has affected the case for sustainability? Oh, it's very clear that the pandemic has accelerated the case for sustainability. What many governments in the world see as an opportunity to support the recovery and support a transition to a digital, green, and inclusive recovery. If you're going to put government money to support business, to maintain employment, might as well use the government money to advance the adoption of technology, the innovation uh, by the various industries, advance the adoption of mechanisms to reduce the carbon emission or improve other types of societal goals. Governments are moving very, very fast in that direction. In 2017, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures released recommendations around voluntary climate-related financial risk disclosures for companies. 
More recently, CPA Canada has been involved in consultations with the IFRS Foundation to widen its mandate to include sustainability standard setting. So why are standards so important and when do you think we can expect to see them in place? We're talking about the investment community leading the change. If they want to be able to make investment decisions and consider the financial impact of climate or other uh, diversity or other critical metrics for an inclusive growth, you have to give them the data. If the data is developed with multiple standards and you can't compare the data, it's hard to make consistent decisions. So greater, greater data will enable the investment community, the financial services community, to make better financial decisions that uses the lens on the risks associated with climate or risks associated with social unrest if we don't have societies that are more inclusive and too much gap between the rich and the poor that enables the financial community to make decisions that factor in those factors and the decision making for investment decisions. So the data is key. Consistency of data is key. And there was a big challenge. There are so many frameworks that exist for sustainability reporting. When we started a project at EY a few years ago with the Coalition for Inclusive Capitalism, we worked with 63 existing frameworks. We need consistency. The financial landscape is global. And having convergence on standard setting is critically important for the financial community. It's also critically important for efficiencies at the business level. If you're a CFO and uh, one investor is asking one set of standards, the other one is asking another set of reporting, you're trying to bid on a piece of work and they're asking for different metrics, it's a waste of energy. And it doesn't allow you to have the impact we're trying to have. We're trying to make sure capital will be allocated to drive value for investors but also value for other stakeholders at the same time. So if we don't have the data to do that, it's not going to be able to work. So do you think it's appropriate that these sort of measures remain voluntary, or is there a case to be made that companies should be required to release this sort of information? Is it appropriate? It's hard to make consistent financial decisions if you don't have consistent data. Data is a big challenge. And I would expect that at COP26, we will see more countries moving in that direction. And you see the work of the Financial Stability Board on climate, where the central banks are working with the financial system to try to see, okay, we want the CFD-type disclosure. How do we get there? They're doing the pilots. We're doing a pilot in Canada as it is to be able to integrate physical climate risk and transition climate risk in, in decisions. So one would think that regulation will come, at least on the climate front. There's one, one organization that's a very large organization in Canada. When they look at the results every month, they don't start with financials. They start with talent. So as more and more businesses move in that direction, because they, they realize their investors are looking for this, and it enables them to drive long-term value for all stakeholders, including investors, as more and more businesses move in that direction, it's going to be easier for regulators to regulate and make it mandatory. And how can companies that have serious impact on the environment be persuaded to release this sort of information if they don't have to? If we're serious about net zero and preserving the planet, we need to help the largest emitters. And that's the initiative that was undertaken with the Climate 100 Plus initiative. The largest emitters in the world were approached to really understand where is your emission coming from and what the transition plan could look like 
to get to a science-based target that would get you to net zero. This initiative was undertaken with support. What are the others doing? Where do you go from here? And we're in a place now where the majority of those large emitters in the world have their plans to get to net zero by 2050 or 2060, depending if you're under developed economies or not. You look at the largest emitter in India that has a clear path forward, a path that will include becoming one of the largest producers of clean energy in the world. Their ambition is in fact to be number one and they're amongst the top as it is. So they simply stopped investing in legacy. They maintain because you don't want to cause challenges with your existing production, but all the new investments go to new source of energy. You can't stop providing electricity or means of transportation to citizens that exist. You have to have a transition. So they don't add, they add new source of energy that are clean. They're working with other investors to invest in the transmission facilities and the storage facilities. We saw a very sad example in Alberta where there was a decision that was the right decision. We gotta stop producing electricity with coal. We gotta close those plants. But we did it very fast. What that meant, it meant lots of people losing their jobs. No other jobs available around for those individuals. Largest amount of suicides in the male population in the province ever. Social unrest. All kinds of social issues that arose as a result of doing, going too fast and not investing in enabling the individuals impacted and reskilling. So we can't lose sight of the human aspect of the transition, and we have to make sure we work in a coordinated plan and we help the industry and the individuals impacted affect the transition. The roadmap to get there is pretty consistent from one place to the other. Um, it's very obvious that we will need clean electricity production, transmission, storage, clean hydrogen, production, transmission, storage, carbon capture, and a carbon market. So the challenges we're facing are clearly enormous, and I'm wondering how you feel when you look to the future, when things seem so uncertain. What, what roles do CPAs play in all of this? When I look at the future, I think we have to face the reality, and I think as Canadians we can face the reality and join forces to help each other make that transition beneficial for all Canadians. We have all kinds of sources of energy across the country. We will need to embrace the challenge of energy transition. And oil and gas producers are already embracing, but we don't listen to each other. And we don't have a Canadian roadmap. We will need to invest together in infrastructures to support the transition. We have the Infrastructure Bank, the Canadian Infrastructure Bank, that is a key role that can help us get there and bring some of the public sector money to help make the transition and attract some, some other investment money to support the transition. We're a well-educated population. We should be able to embrace the challenge and be a global winner in that space. We have natural resources. We will have to make sure we provide everyone with broadband access also to be able to embrace the reskilling challenge that is equally important. So I see a bright future for Canada, given the talent of people we have here and given our culture of working together. We need coordinated leadership though, that's critically important. So CPA Canada has been one of the key influencers globally in so many aspects to help us get to global standards and will continue probably to play that role. So we have rules that resemble us 
CP Canada has a key role to play in helping with the education, upskilling a number of people that need to learn new skills. CPA Canada has a critical role to help its members provide the financial markets the trust required on quality information that we need to have to be able to make the right investments decisions and allocate capital to the right projects, initiatives, opportunities for a collective future. What do you think new CPAs should be doing to best position themselves for success in this space? Current CPA and new CPAs need to be curious. They need to be interested in the changes that are impacting our lives and the life of our children, grandchildren. Science is giving us new information every day. Data collection is happening every day. We will collectively, with the CPA profession and other experts, provide the financial markets with better data and data we can trust. That's one of the key attributes that we bring. Ability to bring judgment, validate the data, understand the data, and make it useful for the financial markets. So curiosity, desire to learn, because it's going to continue to evolve, desire to contribute relevant information to have a financial impact, to allocate resources, to create a better future that will drive value for all stakeholders. Yes, for investors, if you're a pension fund, you have no, you have no option. You got to deliver money to pay the pension of people who retire, will retire in the future. That is not an option. The way you do it though, there are multiple options. We have the privilege to live in a world at a time where investors recognize that you will drive greater value for your investors. If you drive value for your customers, your employees, and society. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for joining me to discuss this critical topic. It was my pleasure to be here, David. Anne-Marie Hubert is the Canada East leader with EY. Foresight, the CPA podcast is created by CPA Canada in partnership with Podcraft Productions. For more information about the Foresight Initiative, head to foresight.cpacanada.ca. I'm David McGuffin. Thanks for joining me. See you next time. Please note the views expressed by our guests are theirs alone, not necessarily the views of CPA Canada.